We're eventually going to be over in Luke chapter 24. Eventually. eventually. Some years ago, there was a passion play that uh, was being put on, and there was an incident that took place during the time when Jesus was carrying the cross. You see, there was a man in the audience, and he was heckling the character who played Jesus while he was carrying the cross. And the man who was carrying the cross, playing the part of Jesus in the passion play, got so mad at the heckler that he came out and had a fight with him. <laughs> and so the, uh, they pulled him apart, and they, um, the, the uh, manager of the passion play pulled him out and says, now you can't do this during the passion play. This, is, this isn't right. You need to get this under control. And so the man said, yes, I'll, I'll get it under control. We'll work on this. We'll, we'll get this taken care of. And so the next night, the heckler came out again, and the, at the same point in the play, he began to heckle the, uh, the actor. And he held back a little longer this time, but eventually he just gave in and came on out and, and went out. To, he was going to give another uh, another punch, but they were ready for him, and the ushers grabbed him, and they restrained him, and he never got as far, but he got back into the manager's office, and they said, look, I'm giving you a choice. Either you, con- you control your temper, or you're out. Control it, or that's all that there is to it. And so... The man says, no, 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 I, I'm going to control it. I'm going to control it. And so they got on out there, and once again, the heckler showed up on the third night. And not only did he continue to heckle, but he did a better job than he did on night one and night two. And he just really came after this guy. And this guy held his peace for a long time, held back and held back and held back, and finally he could take no more. And he stood up there and he said, after the resurrection, I'm seeing you. Oh my. Well, glory to God. After the resurrection, (laughs) Jesus, we get to see him. A number of weeks ago, I let you know that on this particular night, I was woken up early. And given the contents of the service, and we came on out and began to teach you that uh, the path, as we put it anywhere, called it now the path of the doubter. And we've been reviewing it almost every week since because on the same night that he gave me that, he also gave me the one for this one. And so this is where we've been leading up to and building up to and and we're we're going to be looking at this because we've been on the path of a doubter. How does a person get on the path of a doubter? And when we started that, we looked at seven individuals who began believing God but then began to doubt. We looked at Eve. We looked at Saul and a few others who they started out okay. They were believing God, but then they got on this part where they not only doubted the things of God, but almost went against it in some, in some cases. And we looked at some of the similarities that were there, some of the common components, and we're just going to review these quickly again so you have them, because I want you to have them fresh in your mind as we look at the passages we're going to be looking at today. The first off, they had hard hearts. They were resistant, resistant to the truth of the word. They denied the facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves, and they were doubting of God's power and promises. And we particularly saw them when we looked at Peter, who tried to speak to his mountain, and it didn't go anywhere. And Israel, when they tried to speak to their mountain, it didn't didn't go anywhere. Because we we were looking at speaking to mountains and having mountains move. If we don't doubt in our heart, but believe that the things that we say will come to pass, we shall have the things that we say. But there were tendencies that these seven followed. The first one, And everyone always picked up on the first one, and not everyone went as far as all five. But everyone started on the first, and that was to become critical of others. Saul became critical of David. 
became critical of other people, uh, how they did things. Eve and Adam became critical of God. Has God really said he's trying to keep something from you? Well, I guess he is trying to keep something from us. We become critical of others. We judge their motives without talking them to them. Didn't Eve judge God's motive before talking? Why not go get God? Hey, God, let me find out what's going on with this. Didn't Saul judge David's motives without talking to him? We begin to blame others for our own problems. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve had a problem. We don't have the knowledge of evil. All of a sudden, Saul had a problem. David began to blame other people for their own problems. Dilemmas and shortcomings. They justify their own actions to those not involved. And finally, they recruit allies. Now, again, not everybody went all five steps, but they all started off the beginning. Then we got into the part of reasoning and how the, the Pharisees would reason in their minds. And others, when they heard the things that Jesus would teach, would begin to reason in their mind. We saw the meaning of reasoning was to act, or the, um, the act or process of a person who reasons, the process of forming conclusions, judgments, or inferences from facts or premises. And that's what people do. They, they form conclusions from the facts that they see. And this is what Satan likes to get us into. Because if we are truly going to become a doubter of the things of God, we must judge the motive of God without talking to Him. We must become critical of what God has done and what others have done and what God is doing through others and what others have not done and so forth. And once we get on that path and we begin to walk on down that way, we not only doubt the things that we've always known to be true, but we become doubters and not believers. And instead of speaking to mountains and seeing the move, what happens? We become like Peter, who spoke to his mountain, but he still denied Christ. Israel, well, no, we'll go in the promised land now and take it, but they, they did not. Over in Matthew chapter 16, we're going to just re reflect on some of these. We've, we've already looked at them. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 through 12, we see that the... Disciples are warned by Jesus about the leaven of the Pharisees and being the spiritual, spiritual giants that they are, they understood immediately what Jesus was saying. That he was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees, but instead they, they reasoned among themselves. It is because we forgot to take bread. This is after we just fed 4,000 people, plus their wives and plus their kids. And Jesus is now concerned that we didn't bring tw bread for the 12 of us, 13 of us. That doesn't seem to make sense, but they reasoned in their minds. And when we reason things in our mind, we can come up with some weird conclusions. Weird conclusions. I mean, just in the area of, of having faith and belief for healing, how many weird conclusions can we come up with? How many times we, well, I guess it's just not the Lord's time. How many have ever reasoned in our minds, well, maybe it's just not the Lord's time. But how many times did Jesus come up to somebody in the audience and, you know, all the multitudes of people and he gets, boy, hold on, it's tomorrow, next week. You know, we'll reason these things in our mind and, you know, and people came out with the teaching, you know, well, maybe it's your cross to bear and a number of other reasonings that we have done, but none of these things are really found in the, in the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Peter had the wonderful confession in which he said, when Jesus asked them, who do you, do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah and some say a prophet and some say uh, uh, this and that. And, and, and Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter rose up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, that's good. 
That's good. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, the things that you see has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, He's revealed this to you. And the Word of God tells us that from that point on, He began to teach His disciples about His death and resurrection. Waited until then. But at that point, He began to teach them about His death and His resurrection. If someone begins to teach you about their death and resurrection... It means they're going to die. But it also means that they'll be raised. And actually the term that the Bible says, that because it spells it all out, he would, be, he would die and be raised on the third day. He taught them this. He gave them the outline. <laughs> this is how it's going to go, guys. In verse 21 of Matthew 16, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Can you imagine Jesus sitting down with His disciples and saying, Now look guys, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, and I'm going to be killed. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised again. I, can you can you put that any plainer? Yeah, did, does it not describe what happened? And being the 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 one of, of few, he's a he's a man of few words. Jesus is. He doesn't need a whole lot of words to say what he's going to say. He just there it is. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord! This shall not happen to you." But he turned and said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan! You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of." So you see how we have switched over. And this is the path of a doubter. What's he doing? Is he not critical of Jesus? This is not good stuff. No, this is not the kind of stuff. Jesus, no. No, this is not how we get good meetings. <laughs> you know, we, we're, the offerings, they go down when you start talking this way. People want a Savior who's going to stick around. You need longevity. And what's this about putting Jerusalem down? You know, Jerusalem, but that was one of our highest, highest offering counts. Those folks in Jerusalem, they got money. We don't want to be putting Jerusalem down. And, the, and this thing about the Pharisees and Sadducees, you got, look, come on. And can't you get along? Can't we just find a way? I mean, he's critical of them. I don't know all the things that he said. But, uh, no, 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 Jesus, no, don't let, no, you, mm-mm, no. And, uh, Jesus was very stern with him. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. This is right after the great confession. For you are not mindful of the things of God. Is Peter a follower of Jesus? Is he sitting under the word all the time? Is he in good meetings? But you are not mindful of the things of God. Oh, man. More tape time for Peter. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see, when you become a doubter, you become mindful of the things of men. In other words, what the doctor says is more important than what the Word of God said. What the checkbook said is more important than what the Word of God said. You don't like that one that much, okay? We can find other ones. <laughs> but we know we're listening to things, we're hearing them, just like Jesus heard the fig tree and answered the fig tree. We're, we're hearing things. Become mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. When we become mindful of the things of men, we are following the path of a doubter. And we are, we're no longer open 
Our hearts are no longer open to receive from God. We're, we're becoming closed and we become critical of those things that are coming to us from God. Verse 28, Assuredly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Go over to chapter 17, verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Now, some of us may have phrased that differently. Shut up. <laughs> but, you no, know, God has better ways of phrasing things maybe than, <laughs> than, than we do. But, you know, that could have been the way that we would have done it. <laughs> now, we told you before the difference between doubting in your heart and doubting in your head is real simple. What you say with your mouth. So in other words, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, just hush sometimes. Just don't talk. And we spend some time looking at that fact that we just need to sometimes just not say anything. It's a whole lot better to not say anything because then you can always say something later. But if you say something, well, that's not so good. It is good to be people of limited words at times it is good sometimes just to, to be that way and not to keep opening your mouth because sometimes we open our mouth and we put voice to our doubts and now our doubts are no longer head doubts they are heart doubts because we studied it out in the word of god and the difference between a head doubt and a heart doubt is the things which you say with your mouth and don't we do that how many times have we had a promise from god well i don't think that's going to happen guess what <laughs> i doubt in my uh doubt in my heart where do we leave off at verse 5 and when the disciples heard it they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid but jesus came and touched them and said arise and do not be afraid when they had lifted up their eyes they saw no one but jesus only and now as they came down from the mountain jesus commanded them saying tell the vision to no one until the son of man is risen from the dead in other words Shut up. <laughs> do, you, do you detect a theme <laughs> remember jarius when the messengers came, what does Jesus say? Well, he didn't go. He didn't. He didn't say "shut up," but you could kind of hear it in the context, couldn't you? <laughs> Hush, hold on, <laughs> don't say anything. Keep it quiet. Hmm. Well, let's go on to Matthew twenty, verse seventeen. So I told you eventually we're going to get over there. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And the third day he will raise again. If you didn't get it the first time, here it is now. My margin, actually the heading of my Bible for this part says, Jesus, third time, tells them. Third time. Now, that's only, only three times we have written. People just also have in the Word of God that He began to teach them about these things. We don't know that it was only three. We just know that it was at least three times. But let's take a look at what He said. Jesus, they're going on to, to, to Jerusalem and He's taking the twelve disciples aside 
on the road. In other words, they're all going around the road. And he, he pulls them aside. Hold on. Come on over here. Let's get under this, this area for a little while. Let's stop walking. Let's just stay here. I got to talk to you about a few things. We're heading to Jerusalem. We're almost there. Before we get there, I just want to go over this again with you. I know we've gone over it a few times before. I know you guys have heard this already. But just for me, I want to go over this with you one more time. We are going up to Jerusalem. I mean, why do you have to say that? We're, we're on the road to Jerusalem. There are not a lot of roads. It's not like there's a whole lot of roads. Where are we going? There is the road to Jerusalem. You get on it. You go until you get to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. If you go the other way, you go away from Jerusalem to whatever city it's going to. It's, they don't have a whole lot of roads. You're on the road to Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem. But he decided to you know, spell it all out for him. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. It's pretty clear. And deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Now, if they don't get it, they don't say anything because they know what happened to Peter. <laughs> we don't want this going on. I'm not going to be in the same boat as Peter was. No. We'll just uh, we'll let that go at this at this point. So you would think that that clear teaching, that they should get this. They should understand. So then we have the part, we're skipping over this right now. You know, Brother Jolly ministered to us about the cross on, on Friday. We had some things about the resurrection here this morning from Sister Ethel. So we're, we're going to skip over that. And we're going to go to the part after it. In Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom... He had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they rejoiced and were glad. (laughs) They said, but the things that he taught us came true. I knew it would happen. Right? (laughs) Now, what did they say? No. Now, what did Jesus do right before he went and got to Jerusalem? Guys, come here. Now, this is how it's happening. This is what's going to go on. I'm going to die. This is how it's going to happen. I'm going to be dead for three days, but on the third day, I'm going to be raised up. It's not too hard to count to three. One, two, three. I mean, you watch Sesame Street, got it down. You can probably even go beyond the three, but you know, three is not a hard thing to get to. One, two, and three. That's all there is to it. We do it all the time. You know, you, you want your kid to come? What do you do? All right, I'm going to count to three. three. So we, are, we have lots of time to review this. Three. One, two, three. I'm sure this has been handed down for centuries, and probably these guys even had it there. Count to three. One, two, three. Jesus is basically saying this. Guys, count to three. One, two, three. Up! <laughs> All right? One, two, three. Up! That's it. And he, he went over it again with them. And here it is. One, two, three. Mary Magdalene comes back and said, He's up! Oh, you're such a kidder. That's not what happened. That's, that, didn't, that didn't go on. These are grown men who have jobs and businesses. One's an accountant. He should surely be able to count the three. He's a tax collector. Peter, James, and John, surely they can count to three. 
They're fishermen. They count nets. They count fish. They count boats. They count men on the boats. They're counting all the time. How's it so hard to do this? One, two, three. I bet you we could get any of the little kids that are here with us today, and I bet you they could do it. So she comes. I've seen them. I've seen them. Oh, you silly woman. Well, verse 12. After that, he appeared to another form in, uh, to another uh, form in two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest. I mean, come on, what's going on? How is this so hard? One, two, three. All right, you get one report. I mean, don't you think one of these 11 guys that are left, one of them would think, how many days ago did he die? Let me think. Three. I think it's three. Three days. Three. Three. Did he say something about three days? I don't know. I just got this thing in my head, three days. Nah, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just, it's just a, you know, you're so sad. How did we not get this? And he appeared in another form and two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. All right, so you got one report. We're not going to believe that. We got a second report. We're not going to believe that. Guess what else is coming? Well, let's take a look at these two guys who tell us this. I mean, just think about this. One Jesus raised again. Two guys testifying on the third day that he rose. You'd think you could run the numbers. I mean, people run the numbers on the Bible to do all kinds of stuff. How many of you all had some fun on Wednesday night looking at what they did with numbers? (laughs) My, oh, my. Luke chapter 24. Told you we would get there. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning. How early is very early in the morning? (laughs) Some of you, two. uh, Eric's saying two. Eric's saying two. How about three? One, two, three. We could say three. Whatever it is, it's very early in the morning. They and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. So you would begin to think, Ta-da! And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. How hard is this, folks? Ta-da! Here we are! Here he is! <laughs> this isn't hard! He told them. How many times did he tell them that we know of? Three. We're getting this down. <laughs> this is... They're perplexed about this. And behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. That's not a clue. You come to the tomb... There's no Jesus. The stone is rolled away. It's the third day. He's not there. You're sad, perplexed. And two guys show up in shining garments. How many times do people show up in shining garments? How many times have we seen people in shining garments? We're not talking glitter. Talking the garments shine. That doesn't happen easily. 
I would think if I'm looking at an empty tomb with a stone rolled away with a guy who said I would be raised on the third day on the third day and two guys show up in shining garments, I'm thinking, <laughs> hmm. Then they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth and they said to him, and they, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is, re- he is risen. Remember. Remember has how many syllables? <laughs> Three syllables. Remember. One, two, three. Gets you in a rhythm. One, two, three. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day rise again. Did they say anything new? Did they say it differently? And they remembered his words. Oh, yes! <laughs> I did forget that. He did say on the third day he would be raised. Mm. Probably nudged the friend. I can't believe you forgot that. <sighs> and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman who... Who uh, with them, and they told these things to the apostles, and the words seemed like idle tales. And they did not believe them. Now, when the girls come back from the tomb, what do you think they're saying? That it's empty? That's part of it, but they're saying two guys showed up, and they reminded us of something. That Jesus said, I would go to Jerusalem, I would be killed, I would be put into a tomb, and on the third day which is today, he would be raised. Man, you guys will fall for anything. I can't believe it. A couple of guys show up in a tomb and you just go right along. Gullible women. I'll tell you what. And these words seemed like idle tales and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. He's going to prove that these women... Don't know what they're talking about. So he ran on down there. And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. How dense can we be? And before you answer that, just remember, we haven't gotten to the end yet. So he's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. In other words, this is what the angels are saying. What are you doing here? This is what you see. This is what you heard. Can you see him doing that? You saw Jesus crucified, but you heard Jesus say, I would be. You heard Jesus say, I'll be raised on the third day. This is what you saw. And this is what you heard. Can you see the conflict? We have what we heard that Jesus said, and we have what we saw. I saw him die. I mean, I know Jesus said he would die, you know, be raised on the third day. But I saw him die. I saw him bleed. I saw a lifeless body come off the... He was life... There was nothing in him. He's lifeless. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I mean, he was dead. Hmm. What did Jesus say again? He said I would be tortured, uh, be killed... I'll be raised up on the third day. 
You don't know how you... You don't need to raise up people who have life in them. Verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. What kind of things had happened? <laughs> so it was while they conversed and what? Reasoned is to come to conclusions based on things that you see. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus, because Jesus loves reasoning. We all saw that, didn't we? That Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Now, I looked up this word restrained. What does this mean to be restrained? Come up here for a minute. Just turn around, face them. There you go. Now, have you ever had this when you were young? That somebody comes up, sneaks up from you. Guess who? <laughs> right? What do they do? They come up and they bound up your eyes so you can't see. And they disguise their voice. And they try and get you to guess who it is. Because you can't see. And so when that happens, what do you do? You start, you, know, you feel the hands. Are they little hands? Are they big hands? Are they men's hands? Are they women's hands? You know, what, you, you try and figure out some things that, that might be, be going on that, that would tell you. Maybe something, you reach back and see if you can feel the hair. That might tell you some things. Because you don't have your eyes anymore to see. So you have to depend on other things. And so what he did was he bound up their eyes. He basically snuck up behind them and put his hands in front of their face. <laughs> and then disguised his voice and walked along with them. Because they would know his voice. So their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? <laughs> then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? I mean, everybody's talking about this. Jesus of Nazareth died. He's dead. Crucified on a cross. They put him in a tomb. And we're sad. We liked him. How, how, how is it that you're missing all this? You've been under a rock? I mean, what's going on? How do you not know what's happening? It's not like, you know, you have news from all around the world. But you know what's going on here. And he said to him, What things? What things exactly are you looking at? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. What things? What's Jesus saying? <laughs> Where, what are you looking at? Where are your eyes? What are you seeing? Well, we saw Jesus, great prophet, died on a cross, Put into a tomb. See, with he was locating them. Wants to see, wants them to see. Where are your eyes? But you know what? What happened to what they heard? Because they heard it. What happened to what they heard? Verse nineteen. And he said to them, 
what things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Boy, does that not sound like a more elaborate version of what Jesus said? But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the they can count. <laughs> Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. They are mindful of the fact that today is the third day. They can count. They have been keeping track of all this. And Jesus said on the third day, I'd be raised. And today is the third day. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he had also, they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. What was their condition when Jesus came upon them? They were sad because they realized it was the third day that angels had appeared to the women and told them that the empty tomb was the result of Jesus being resurrected. And I'm sad. Why? What? How is this possible? These are, again, these are grown men. These are business people. They run businesses. Scary. They run businesses. Then he said to them, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. <laughs> in other words, I know exactly what's going on, but I'm looking at this thing a whole lot differently than you are. I'm not ignorant of these things. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. <laughs> then they drew near the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further. Well, I just, now I'm going to keep on. No, wait a minute. Why don't you come on in here with us? Cause this is some interesting stuff. We got some guys we want you to talk to. But they constrained him saying, no, no, buy with us for it's toward evening. No, it's getting kind of late and the day's kind of far, uh, far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. They still don't know it's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is good at this game. We couldn't do it this well. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. So as soon as they could recognize him, he's gone. That's not fair. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while we had talked with him on the road and while he opened the scriptures up to us? What's that saying? Our spirit's telling us, Yes! This is good! This is right! But what are we doing? I'm sad. I'm sad. Angels show up, but I don't believe that it's angels. And... Jesus said on the third day he would raise, but it's the third day. I'm sad. So they rose up and that very hour returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathering together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> glory to God. Breakthrough. Jesus says to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, he didn't even give them a chance to doubt again. Peace 
to you. You know, if somebody just shows up in a closed room without opening the doors or windows, <laughs> peace to you is a good thing to say. But they were terrified anyway, anyway. and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And they and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? So get this. Here, here's the thing. It's the third day. He's appeared to the women, or the angels appeared to the women and said, He's risen. He appeared to the two. They came back and gave the story. They went through the whole thing. The women said, they reminded us of the words that Jesus taught. The two came on back and said, He reminded us of all the things that were in the Mo- Moses and the prophets and told us about it, that He would be raised on the third day. And then Jesus shows up in the room and they think it's a spirit. Can you say dense? Behold my hands and my feet. Whoops, I skipped on by one. And he said to them, verse 38, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your minds? It's in their hearts. Why is it in their hearts? Because they speak it with their mouth. Oh, that's foolishness. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, you women. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while, But while they still did not believe for joy <laughs> and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. I don't know if that was his favorite meal or not, but that's what he got. <laughs> and he took it and ate it in their presence. And they said to them, and he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. What do you think they're saying now? Uh, we got it now! Third day! Third day, okay. We got it. And you are witnesses of these things. I'm not sure that that's necessarily good. <laughs> oh my, these folks. What do you do with these what do you do? Verse 24, or verse 49, chapter 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Now, if you're Jesus and you're giving instructions on a new event, what are you thinking? Man, how, how many times do I got to go over this with them? So he, he's trying to keep it simple, right? I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. All right, so here's it. I'm going to go over here. You're going to stay over here. And I will send something from here to here for you. When it comes upon you, then you go. Peter, repeat that back to me. What did you hear, Peter? You want us to tarry and wait in Jerusalem until power comes upon us. All right, good. John, what did you hear? And he led them out as far as Bethany. 
And he lifted up his eye, his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. No longer bound. No longer bound, folks. This is the goal. No longer bound by what we see. The corruption, the path of a doubter is to get you to see things in the natural and fixate your vision on them. It corrupts what you hear because you become critical of all the things that people say, all the things that people do. And whatever you see, immediately you become critical even of it. No longer bound by what I see. It does not matter what I see in the natural. It matters what I see in the Spirit. To get to a place to believe what we hear. Jesus said, on the third day, I'll be raised. Son of man, he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to be handed over to the authorities. Tortured, beaten, and killed. But on the third day, he will be raised. That's the simple instructions. But when they got there, because of what they saw, the horrible death on the cross, the body being carried into the tomb, because of the things they felt, the grief in their heart, they lost what they heard. No longer bound by what I see, but believe what we hear. We cannot rest on my own, my current understanding. Not my current understanding. I got to get beyond my current understanding. How many of y'all know you have an understanding on some things? There's a good possibility that you are wrong. But you see, as soon as you pick up the path of a doubter and you go in the way of a doubter and you become critical and judgmental and all these things begin to come upon you, you are right. And if Satan can get that attitude in you that you are right and others are wrong, then the understanding that you have now is all you will have. And if, if it is wrong, then it will lead you down the wrong way. If it is right, it will be corrupted before long. This is all he needs to do. Corrupt the word that you have. Make sure that you don't understand it. Understanding is one of the most pivotal things in the word of God. You must understand the word. That's why we spend so much time here, not just talking about scripture, but getting it so that you understand it. That's why we'll spend just on this one aspect of the Doubting series, how many weeks have we been on this part of it? Because the most important thing is that you understand it. If you understand the Word, it guards you, it protects you, it keeps you. If you do not understand it, you will look like the dunces that the disciples look like. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) He's supposed to be here in the tomb. He's not here in the tomb. I thought he was here. We put him here. He's not here. How come he's not here? Who took him? (laughs) Come on, really? How many times does Jesus go over it? He laid it all out. Laid it. Here it is. This is what's going to happen. Okay. (laughs) 
if you follow the path of a doubter, what you understand now, right or wrong, is all you'll have. And you'll never understand if it's, any, if it's correct or if it's not. And this is why you have people who have, born again people following after God, who are standing there saying, well, I don't know why that happened, but it's just the way that it is. No understanding. You know what? God wants you to understand. He wants you to understand. He wants you to know what's going on. I'm not going to be bound by my current understanding. And I'm not going to be bound by my past failures. How many of y'all know we have past failures? We've had faith failures in the past. We've believed God for healing and it didn't happen. We believed God for a financial thing and it didn't happen. We have faith failures in the past. There are things that have gone on in the past that didn't happen for us. It didn't quite work. I've got my current understanding. I've got faith failures in the past. And they can bind me up. Because as soon as I want to step out again and believe God for healing that, well, don't you know what happened to you before? Or, you know, those well-meaning Christians that come up to you, my aunt died of that. It was a painful death. Oh, she suffered a lot of years. <laughs> Glory to God. Appreciate that encouragement, sister. That's just great. Mm. My current understanding can't bound me up. My past failures can't either. It's not what I've seen with my natural eyes. I've got to get beyond that. And if you follow the path of a doubter, all you will have is what you see with your natural eyes, what you understand, what you can reason out, and what your past failures or successes have brought you. But God wants you to get beyond that. Folks, look at the disciples. How much bigger of a failure can you be than to sit under the ministry of Jesus for three and a half years to be told from the point that Peter has the revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. From that point, he began to teach them about his death, burial, and resurrection. And they don't get it. They stand at the tomb. The angels are sitting there and saying, man, we even get this. Doesn't Jesus say that these guys are going to see things that we don't understand? We get this. They don't. And they come on to the angels, come on down and say, Wake up! Do you not get it? It's the third day. One, two, three. One stone, two angels, third day. Gone. This isn't hard. Oh, what faith Paul has. That we would understand things. Or the writer, I'm sorry, the writer of Hebrews. Would have, that, that, oh, that we would understand things that angels desire to look into. I'm sure if the angels knew that scripture was going to be written, they're saying, <laughs> you think so? These guys? And this is what we're starting with? <laughs> These ones right here? This is the cream of the crop. And from these 11, we're going to Really? They can't figure out the third day. They can't even figure it out when we tell them. It's the third day. He's gone. They can't even figure out when people come back and tell them that they've seen Jesus. Because Thomas comes into the room after this and they say, We saw Jesus. And he says, Hallelujah, I knew it was true. He says, Unless I, not until I see it with my own eyes, touch it with my own hands, I'm not believing. 
And this is what the path of a doubter gets you to, folks. You will look this stupid. Because God says, it's in my word. I said right there, I would do it. Right there. I said, I bore most of your diseases. Almost all of them. All the ones from the first century. All the ones that were around then. What did he say? But then we come to a disease like cancer. Well, that wasn't around when Jesus was around. I don't know if this one's covered. (laughs) I might die on this one. This one could take me out. How stupid do we look? Because Jesus spelled it out for them in the Word of God three times. How many times has He spelled out for us, I am the healer? How many times did He spell that out? More than three. Thank you very much. More than three. (laughs) More than three times. And then we face sickness and disease. Oh, I hope I don't get sick. The flu's going around. Oh, I hope I don't lose my job. (sighs) Jesus himself says, check out the robins. Check out the flowers. They don't worry about what they're wearing, where they're going to work, because they know I got them taken care of. If I got the robins and the daisies and the lilies taken care of, I think I can manage you. Because you're a little bit more important to me than the robins and the daisies and the lilies of the field. I didn't send my son to die for them. I sent him to die for you. I didn't put the curse that was upon them to deliver them from sickness and disease put it on him to deliver you. And he spelled it out for us how many times? And we still come to him and say, oh God, please heal me of this. That's so terrible. I have followed the path of a doubter. Wake up, folks. Stop being critical of the word of God that comes to you. Stop being critical whether you like the way they dress or don't of ministers who are teaching you that Jesus is the healer. Stop being critical of ministers, whether you like the way they dress, whether you like the building that they're in or the car that they drive or the watch that they wear or the suit that they have on. When they're teaching you from the Word of God how you can be prosperous. Stop being critical. Well, I don't like the way he talks. I don't like his accent. I don't like his stories. I don't like that he's short. I don't like that he's tall. I don't like his shoes. I just don't like him. Because that kind of a critical attitude will put you on a road that you will not hear the word that you need for faith. You will become a doubter and you will look this stupid. I don't know about you. I don't want to look that stupid. <laughs> now, I am, I am well able to admit that I have looked that stupid. And God had to slap me up the side of the head and, and say, Yo! <laughs> look what it says! It's not hard. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, going to suffer, die, third day, raised up. Got it? I don't know if you ever looked at it all this way with all these things put together like this, but thank God there is help for stupid people. Thank God no matter how stupid I have been in the past, there is still hope for me in that I can get off the path of a doubter and get going on. Now, we called this one the road back. Because if you're on the path of a doubter, how many of us have identified that we've been on the path of a doubter in some areas of our life? (laughs) 
We've seen, I've been on the path of a doubter there. I've been this way, that way, and this. The road back. How do we get back? It's simple. Look what they did. Stop depending on what you see with your natural eyes. Stop relying on what you understand in the Word of God and realize that what you understand in the Word of God is nothing compared to what He does. And that He has put gifts into the body of Christ to help you gain more knowledge, more understanding. Because the more understanding you have, the better it goes. And head back by believing what He said. Oh, well now that you're here in front of me and I see you, oh, all right. You're going to be raised on the, on the third day. You're going to be raised. Oh, good. Let's go. Well, and Jesus just says, all right. Well, at least you finally got there. Let's go. <laughs> and he tells us, says, now, these, these guys. Which guys? The stupid ones. <laughs> all of them. Every single one of them was stupid. There's not a single one in the 11 who were left. Judas, of course, already died. Not a single one of the 11 who's not stupid. Every one. Jesus picked all winners. <laughs> Every one of them was a winner. <laughs> and then Jesus says, after he does all this, after he sends two angels, after he sends the, the guy on the road to, Demas, uh, to, to Emmaus, after he shows up in the room and does all this, then he says to them, to these 11 guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to put something on you and give you power. Do you really want people this stupid handling power tools? <laughs> Think about it. There are some people that should not operate a table saw. They just shouldn't do it. It's not good. It will not end well. But Jesus takes these 11 guys and he says, I want you to go to Rome. I'm going to send you something. And it's going to put power on you. <laughs> power. Now, if you put power on stupid people, you can have stupid. You can have stupid exemplified or amplified. But Jesus says, "No, nah, we're going to do. We're going to put this on you." And glory to God, it worked. Those eleven went out and they did all sorts of stuff with that power. They didn't act stupid anymore. They got better. Because what they do, they listen to what Jesus said, and no matter what they saw with their eyes, they listened to what He said. Listen to what he says. It is never too late to get out of being stupid. It is never too late to get off the path of a doubter. It is never too late to quit being critical and to get out. And if you think we are done with this part of the topic, we are not. There is one more we are going to look at. One more person who didn't get it. One more person who wandered over the edge. That'll be next week. Because you all want to get home and get some, some dinner and stuff like that going today, right? We had breakfast. <laughs> we had breakfast. <laughs> Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? If you're here today and you say, I have recognized in my that I have been a doubter. I have walked the path of a doubter. I have become critical of the word that is spoken to me. I've become critical of others as they give it, or as they do things, or whatever it is. I have seen myself on that path. Maybe I haven't gotten as far as step three, four, and five, but I've seen myself along that path. I have doubted in the area of finances. I have doubted in the area of, of forgiveness. I have doubted in the area of healing. I have doubted in the area of love. Whatever it might be, all kinds of areas that you could have been a doubter in and just did not trust that what God promised, He was able to perform.
something. But you've recognized it and you've seen it. That's the biggest part. Recognize it. Because as long as those guys kept saying, nah, nah, you're not seeing Jesus. What are you talking about? As long as they kept going that, they're still going down the same road of stupid. But you don't have to. If you have recognized this in, in your life, in some aspect of it, and you've made corrections, you're altered, altering your path, you're on the road back. Your head's bowed. We're getting ready to pray. Raise your hand up. We want to pray for you. Y'all, I'm not going to call you up here to the front. Just want to pray. Yep. All right. Good. No reason to be a doubter. No matter how far we went down the path of a doubter, God says, come on. Come on. You can't be any more stupid than these guys were. If there's hope for them, there is hope for you. God will bring you back. <laughs> Glory to God. And God trusted these 11 guys with supernatural power. <laughs> you don't think he's going to trust you? Glory to God. Father, you've seen the hands that were raised up. You know what area it is that we have become a doubter in? What area it is that we have wandered off the ranch, so to speak? We have gone away from the things that you said, gone away from the things that you had written in your word to do other things, to go in the other direction where we were relying on things that we saw with our natural eyes, things that we could reason out with our mind, things that we could understand with what we know now, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Father, you want to take us beyond that. You want to help us to go beyond what we understand and to work off of what you understand and know. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. Every person whose hand that was raised here today, you know what area it is that they're working on whatever it is that they're bringing back. And just as you spoke the word over and over and over to these 11, you're speaking it to them. Remind them of the word of God for that area in their life where they need to come back, where they need to get off the road of doubting, off the way of being stupid and onto the way of being supernatural. Father, we thank you for it. And we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.